Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for August 13th, 2018. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film senior writer Ben Pearson, and joining me today are Slash Film managing editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. And weekend editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. All right, so we are not doing a water cooler Monday episode of the podcast today. Uh, today is Monday, but uh, we're putting off the water cooler until more people can join us. I think Peter is uh, is back from vacation. He's feeling a little bit under the weather, but he should be back in uh, in full swing pretty soon. HT is uh, off on a set visit, so she'll be back. And and um, I think we just wanted to have the whole team together to uh, to talk about our traditional water cooler uh, episode. So we'll be doing that very soon. In the meantime, though, there are a few news items that I figured we could talk about today so let's go over those uh jacob let's start off with the future of star trek 4 late late on friday evening some news broke about paramount's uh star trek movie franchise what is the latest there yeah it broke so late i had to ride it in a car in a parking lot because i already left work to go home uh the, the news is that uh the two chris's chris pine and chris hemsworth have dropped out of star trek 4 over salary negotiations and as you know, as our readers and listeners may remember, uh, Chris Pine, of course, plays Captain Kirk in the rebooted series, and Chris Hemsworth plays his father, who died in the opening scene of the 2009 film. And the conceit here was that Hemsworth was going to return for a time travel subplot that would have uh, had the two Kirks teaming up and going on an adventure together. Uh, but the news from the Hollywood Reporter is that negotiations broke down because Paramount tried to lowball uh, the Chris's, offering less money than they're contractually obligated, so they walked. And I have a hard time blaming them for walking. I also have a hard time blaming Paramount for wanting to cut down costs because Star Trek Beyond didn't perform well. And the Star Trek movies have proven that they hit a ceiling worldwide. They don't, they're not billion-dollar movies. So it was a case of Paramount trying to wriggle these actors out of a contract that they were owed. Um, so I, I, I ultimately think that Paramount made the wrong call here, uh, personally, because if someone's contract says pay them this, you don't lowball them, you don't try to weasel out of it. Uh, but it's still a bummer. It's still a bummer that um, this could kill this could kill Star Trek Four. I mean, the options are they come back to the table, things get worked out. This is all a negotiating tactic. Uh, they get paid what they get paid, and they move on. Uh, they could try recasting Kirk, which seems extremely unlikely. Uh, it could mean Star Trek movie franchise is dead again. Uh, it could mean that they maybe cough up money for Pine since he's still the face of the franchise. And 
uh, recast George Kirk and get a new dad in there. But this also happens just as the rest of the cast, Zoe Saldana, Zachary Quinto, uh, Carl Urban, Simon Pegg, John Cho, have all signed on. They're, they're all on board. It's strictly the Chris's. Um, and so this is it makes me sad because I, I enjoy these movies with the exception of In the Darkness, which is terrible. Um, but it's just part of me is wondering if maybe this is just a sign that Trek belongs on TV again. We have Star Trek Discovery entering its second season. We have the new Jean-Luc Picard series coming sometime next year. Uh, if movie audiences aren't interested uh, and, we, and they can't afford these movie stars, maybe it's time to just go back to TV and keep it there. What do you guys think? I'm wondering if this is – so my, my first thought about this was I wonder if – instead of doing Star Trek 4, if this is a way for Paramount to sort of wipe the slate clean with that, just get rid of that project altogether because Hemsworth is such a bigger name, and then maybe they could just move on into whatever the Quentin Tarantino produced or written Star Trek movie is, because that one is is a separate project from Star Trek 4, and that one, as far as I understand, is still sort of waiting in the wings. So I wonder if maybe this is just a way for them to... Uh, you know, they're looking at Hemsworth, who is obviously a, a massive star coming off of Avengers Infinity War, and he's going to be in the new Men in Black reboot, and he's probably, <laughs> you know, requiring a lot more money than he did for his, like, 10-minute role in the, the 2009 Star Trek. Um, so, I, I I don't know. Brad, what do you make of that theory? Do you think there's anything to that? Uh, I mean, it's... <laughs> at this point, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'm growing increasingly frustrated with, like, problems like this with ongoing franchises, especially ones that have, you know, struggled to, to maintain the success that, that they first started off with. Um, so, you know, my, my interest in Star Trek is starting to wane as much as I love Star Trek, the, the original um, reboot movie from J.J. From Abrams. Uh, like Jacob said, Into Darkness was disappointing. I thought Star Trek Beyond deserved more recognition than it got. Um, and, I mean, honestly, if if they can't figure out a way to make this time travel, uh, you know, situation work uh, with bringing Chris Hemsworth back, which sounds like an amazing team up with Chris Pine, I just I feel like it's not going to be anywhere near as good as it, it could have been. Yeah, and I think this is not the first time that this has happened recently with Paramount shutting down a project over contract uh, disputes. I think the same thing happened with Mission Impossible Fallout in the early days of that uh, movie's development. So. That obviously turned out really great, so maybe this is just a, a speed bump and everything will get back on track pretty soon. But um, but yeah, as, as of right now, it's sort of an unfortunate uh, hiccup in the Star Trek franchise. Um, let's move on to Movie Pass, the, the thing we seem to talk about more than anything else on this podcast, uh, much to all of our chagrin, I think. Uh, but Brad, what is going on with the what's what's the latest with Movie Pass? What are they what are they doing over there? Oh, I wish that we could figure this out. Uh, it seems like their new uh, basically mission statement is, hey, let's screw over all of our customers every weekend in a new way. Uh, this past weekend, MoviePass made yet another change to their service, and it's one we probably could have seen coming if we you know, paid attention to the subtlety of you know, their uh, wording in their press releases. Um, but basically, a bunch of people were complaining over the weekend that when they tried to use MoviePass, not only did the service go down again Friday evening, which has become a trend the past few weekends, but apparently uh, subscribers were pretty much only given the choices between two movies. They weren't given the entire roster that's available in theaters right now. Most found themselves having to choose between Slender Man or Mission Impossible Fallout, while there were some who were given the choice uh, between The Spy Who Dumped Me along Slender Man instead. Um, now, keep in mind, this only applies to subscribers um, who don't have access to any e-ticketing theaters. If you have access to any e-ticketing theaters, which MoviePass has a partnership deal with, 
then your selection of movies and your available showtimes or anything like that have not been effect, uh, affected whatsoever. But the problem is, is the amount of theaters that offer e-ticketing for MoviePass subscribers are much fewer and far between any of the normal theaters where you have to check in and uh, when you're near the theater and ready to pay for your ticket. Mm-hmm. And uh, MoviePass did acknowledge that this is basically a new official thing they're doing. MoviePass CEO Mitch Lowe said, unfortunately, in order to stay financially stable, we've had to curtail the service. We had the right to write the ship as far as the amount of money we were burning. This has been a challenging time for us and our customers. We're just trying to save our service to be able to be available long term. So uh, apparently the movies that will be available each day will likely change. But as of now, if you're not getting tickets from an e-ticketing theater, you'll likely only have two options available to purchase. So you'll basically have to check MoviePass every day when you want to try to see a movie. And if you're the movie that you were hoping to see that night isn't available, then you'll just have to pay out of pocket or, you know, worse, maybe not see that movie, which is a bummer for, you know, the movie theater and for the studio that is putting the movie out there and hoping you'll go see it. So, Brad, I'm wondering, do you think that there's any way for MoviePass to get worse than where they are right now? Is this rock bottom for them or or can they go lower somehow? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Every time I think that they can't get worse... They seem to do something that just boggles the mind even more and seems to piss off their customers. Um, yeah, I <laughs> I feel like the only thing that they could do now is like maybe drop down to like only one movie choice a month and the show times at midnight and it's only <laughs> at a theater that's an hour away from you. Um, so I just I don't know. It's turning into such a huge joke. Yeah. Uh, ben, can I say that real quick? Yeah, absolutely. As someone, who, who, some, as someone who's not a subscriber movie pass, I actually subscribe to it. Back when it's fifty dollars a month, years and years ago. So I haven't tried it in any in any time recently. But having followed it very closely these past months and just year now, has there ever been somebody as like disingenuous and full of BS as Mitch Lowe? All the <laughs> statements just reek of just nonsense. Like things he's saying here are things we all saw on coming and were commenting on six months ago. The fact that he's acting like this is a brand new development from WePass is disingenuous and disgusting and stupid. And either he's dumb or he thinks his customers are dumb. And it, it drives me crazy. Yeah, I think that's, um, I mean, uh, you know, some people might consider that harsh. But, like, if you look at the language that they've been using in all of their press releases over the past few months, it, I mean, the writing has been on the wall this entire time. And I, I think that's an accurate statement, Jacob. I, I don't know if he's, I, I certainly think he has um, some intelligence. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that Mitch Lowe is dumb, but I, I do think that he thinks very, very low of his, uh, consumer base, his customer base. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, as much as I, uh, am just sick of MoviePass and talking about them in general, I am sort of fascinated with the way that the company continues to sort of spiral of like find new ways to get worse. And, uh, you know, from a, a larger business perspective, it's important for us to cover it because they really changed the game. And I mean, they, they paved the way for a lot of these other subscription services that are out there still. So it's like important to talk about this because, um, you know, it, it's it's like the the one-time titan of this industry, uh, of this nascent industry, uh, and, and tracking their development could have uh, conceivable ramifications for other uh, streaming services, even like the popular, you know, the ones that are popular right now, like AMC A-List. Um, and, you know, I, I think... There's a lot that MoviePass still has left to do, and <laughs> I think we'll probably be there uh, watching them until the bitter end. Um, one other thing that I, I wanted to mention, this is not like a huge story because it's it's kind of a non-story, but 
over the past couple days, uh, there's there have been some reports that Idris Elba might be the new James Bond. And this is something that has been rumored and talked about for a long time. I think during the Sony hack, uh, Amy Pascal, who was the the former um, Sony, like the the chief, the, the uh, studio head, I guess, at uh, Sony Pictures, uh, some of her emails indicated that she wanted to see Idris, uh, Idris Elba play James Bond back in like 2014. So this has been four years of you know, on and off is Idris Elba, the new James Bond rumors. And as far as the James Bond franchise goes, Daniel Craig is suiting up for one more movie, Bond 25. I don't know what the title of that film is. So that movie has not even entered production yet. But still, uh, a report came out recently that said that the producers of the James Bond franchise were leaning towards Idris Elba to take over the part after Craig finishes this next movie, because that's going to be his his final uh, film in, of his Bond tenure. So almost immediately, within 24 hours of that story coming out, some... Uh, you know, alternate stories have come out saying, like, that's not true, you know, this is all just nonsense, and even Idris Elba himself took to Twitter over the weekend and, you know, sort of, like, played into these rumors a little bit. He tweeted something saying, my name's Elba, Idris Elba, and then don't believe the hype. So there's still a lot of uh, questions about what exactly um, the Bond producers are going to do in terms of who they're going to pick to play Bond once Craig is done, but... uh, Idris Elba's 45 years old, guys, so I, I just don't think, as much as I would love to see him take on that role, I don't think that the franchise is going to pick somebody who's that old. It's it's plain and simple, and I mean, it, it's sort of like an ageist thing, but it's also, at the same time, like, this is James Bond, and, and I can't imagine that they wouldn't pick somebody who's younger, who has, you know, a, a decade span ahead of them uh, of playing that character. I mean, I, I recently went back and rewatched all of the Bond movies a couple years ago, and watching the ones where Sean Connery or Roger Moore are, you know, over 55 running around playing that character, it's like, it's almost painful to see them, you know, trying to be this uh, icon of masculinity and virility and, and all of this at, at the at like a comically old age. So uh, I really enjoy Idris Elba's performances. I feel like he would be a great James Bond, but I don't think they're actually going to choose him. Now, the question I want to pose to you guys is, should they cast Idris Elba in just a one-off movie instead of trying to lock him down for you know uh, the next five or six movies in the franchise or whatever uh jacob i know you're a bond fan what do you think about that i mean that would be a huge break from bond tradition and this is a series built on traditions even when they reinvented themselves with daniel craig and sort of became a sort of harder edge blockbuster uh the bond movies still follow the bond template in so many ways and the way they announce these movies the way they're made the way they sell them it's all part of this grand thing. It's all part of when they announce James Bond, it's not just, hey, here's a new Bond. It's here's your next decade of Bond stories. Here is the center of the franchise for a long time. So while it's conceivable to imagine the Bond producers doing that, I feel like there's there's no there's no money. There's no reason to do that <laughs> beyond thinking there's a box office club for Idris Elba, and there's not. Uh, I mean, I don't understand. I mean, if they want to go with a, with a person of color to play James Bond, and they definitely should because it's about time, uh, Daniel Kaluuya is a great choice. He's 33. He could play Bond for 15 years in six movies, and nobody would bat an eye, and he'd be the right age for it. Whereas Idris Elba is, by the time cameras get rolling, he'd be 49 years old, and those last few Roger Moore movies are dire. Uh, if you do a kill, is an old, is an old, is an old man looking sad for two hours in in, in spy gear. Uh, and while Idris Elba, I, I think, will continue to be a good-looking, handsome man for until the day he dies, 
the bomb producers are going to want somebody who's going to be young enough to age into that role. And I can't imagine them breaking 50 years of Bond tradition just to appease what's, what's, what's essentially a meme. Right. And and the only reason that I, I sort of bring that up is because Danny Boyle is directing the new uh, Bond movie with Daniel Craig, his, his final film. And I'm wondering if... You know, they if they if they enjoy working with him as somebody like an auteur like that, and somebody who's going to come in and and put sort of a different stamp on the franchise, if they could embrace that model a little bit and sort of say, okay, let's hire somebody else that's like a, a similar name and see what they can do, and and you know, in the idea of with or with the idea of just uh seeing what they could do in a one-off version um without necessarily locking that person in or that actor in for uh, a number of years brad uh what 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 do you make of this do you think idris elba has any chance of being the new bond i mean i don't really think the age thing is a factor i mean it's not as if daniel craig looks like he's a particularly young man um you know and idris elba i think looks every bit as young as daniel craig does and at the end of the day, look at how old Tom Cruise is, and he's Ethan Hunt in the Mission Impossible franchise. So, you know, as far, age is just a number as far as I'm concerned when it comes to to James Bond. I don't think it necessarily needs to be a young buck, but it seems like the Idris Elba fan casting is just something that is easy and obvious because they want to see the role diversified, and he's probably one of the best-known British black actors in the business right now. Um, but, I mean, if anything, I would just rather Idris Elba or any other, you know, black British actor or even Hispanic or anything like that, potentially being considered for taking, you know, a, a James Bond role to diversify it. I would just rather see them given a different character that they can make their own and turn into a, a character that's iconic in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, Idris Elba was in an action movie called Bastille Day a few years ago, <laughs> and I don't think that necessarily panned out in terms of sequels or anything. So we'll have to see if uh, if that's something. If if he ends up finding his own action franchise late in life, like uh, Liam Neeson Taken style, or if uh, if this Bond thing some somehow miraculously comes to pass. But I think you can probably uh, put money on the fact that Idris Elba won't be playing James Bond anytime soon. Uh, let's talk about our last news story of the day, and that is about the Avatar sequels. We have a, a brief update about what is coming in the future of the what is it four more Avatar sequels that are coming soon? Jacob, tell us what's going on. Oh, this is an interview with uh, producer John Landau, who's direct, who's produced uh, the Avatar, Titanic with James Cameron, uh, and I found that James Cameron tends to be the guy who pops out every six months and screams something about Avatar and says another year and something really shocking that kind of derails the train. And then John Landau's the guy who does all the other interviews and kind of has to clean things up. So it's, it's, a, it's a really fun dynamic. I, um, I, I really enjoy watching these two interact and how they speak so differently. Uh, but John Landau um, spoke with Inside the Magic, which is a uh, prim primarily a theme park uh, outlet, as he was discussing the uh, Pandora, the World of Avatar theme park land at Walt Disney World's Animal Kingdom theme park. And hidden in this interview, not hidden, but a uh, piece of the interview are some movie revelations. Uh, first one being that the first film was set primarily in the Valley of Moara, which is actually the location of the Pandora theme park land at, at Disney, and that the sequels will go beyond that valley and will meet other clans of Navi. So I like this because I'm not the biggest Avatar fan. I think it's fine. Uh, but I like the idea that um, it's avoiding the sci-fi trope of all the alien aliens of one race on a planet aren't exactly the same, which is, which is such a common uh, thing you see. So we're going to start seeing uh, different clans of Navi, hopefully with different beliefs and cultures and perspectives on everything. Um, 
uh, tied to this, uh, Landau also said that all four sequels will take place on Pandora. They're not going back to Earth, not going to other planets, uh, which means that if they need new ecosystems, they're going to find them on. They're going to need to find them on Pandora, which is another sci-fi trope broken, like you see in Star Wars. A planet is either an ice planet, or it's a desert planet, or it's a jungle planet. Whereas Pandora is going to have presumably enough ecosystems to support as many different adventures or perspectives as they need over the course of four more movies. Jesus, four more movies. Um, this also ties into what James Cameron said uh, a few months ago, where he described it as a generational saga like The Godfather. So we're, we're, we're going to be seeing these four movies sort of, four more movies explore the ins and outs of Pandora. And um, it's not going to be just a um, story of these characters, but the story of this planet and exposing this, um, these cultures and these ecosystems and really, really digging into the world building, which is the strongest part of Avatar. So that's what has me interested here. And uh, finally, apparently there are creatures in the Flight of Passage theme park ride at the Pandora Park. Uh, and those creatures were implanted as Easter eggs because you'll be seeing them in future movies. And that's all we have on Avatar. Here's my, here's my question. Are you guys like me and you kind of are into the Avatar world building and are excited to hear about this kind of stuff while acknowledging the story in Avatar was, you know, nothing to write home about? Or is this just... Or is this just more nonsense about movies that nobody seems to be that pumped about yet? <laughs> Brad, what do you think? I am completely in a mode where I don't care until I actually see footage from the next movie to get an idea of what it's even about and how it's going to look. Uh, otherwise, I was so underwhelmed by the first movie and didn't remotely care about the Navi or any of the story that I'm just... Uh, hoping that James Cameron has some kind of magic up his sleeve to make me care about Pandora and all these characters, because otherwise I'm just, I'm so indifferent. Yeah, I think I'm sort of right in between. Uh, I think I'm a little bit closer to Jacob on, you know, in that I am interested in the ways that uh, that Landau and Cameron have sort of built this world and, and expanded it out and how they're going to show us these new aspects of it. Um, the thing about it, uh, the sequels not leaving Pandora is kind of interesting to me because I always sort of assumed that, you know, because sequels tend to be one of those things where it's like uh, tell the same story only bigger and, you know, just like expand the world. I, I thought that they might actually go visit Earth, like the Navi might actually visit Earth at some point, um, especially since humans came to Pandora the first time around. But it seems like that's not going to happen. And this is, you know, all of these movies are just going to be limited to Pandora. But I mean, I am interested in like the different ecosystems and all of that kind of stuff, because it's just fascinating from like a, a uh, pre-production standpoint like how much work had to be done to lay all of the groundwork there and and you know figure out the languages and the cultural differences and all of those things that Jacob was just talking about all of that stuff fascinates me um, I just hope that the stories and, and the characters are better drawn in you know when we finally end up seeing these movies I think it's really easy to get snarky and write off these Avatar movies because there's been such a huge delay in them. I mean, the first one came out in 2009, for God's sake, and, and Avatar 2 is not supposed to open until December 18th of 2020. So that's a huge gap. Like an entire generation has grown up in between that gap instead of the normal whatever two or three years that, that you would expect between big franchise movies like this. So I, I can I see how it's really easy for people to just be like, ah, whatever, Avatar, that's that's nonsense. But I, I've learned time and time again never to underestimate James Cameron, and I, I, <laughs> I hope that he uh, comes at us with a, a story. With, with I hope that the gap 
um, that as much time was spent developing the story and the characters in this gap as there, you know, as was devoted to creating the world and, and building out the world of Pandora itself. Yeah, I, we, James Cameron has only made two of the best sequels ever made. So, you know, it's hard for me to get down on a James Cameron sequel when he made Terminator 2 and Aliens. Yep, yep. All right, that's a good place to wrap up for the day. So before we finally wrap up this episode, where can people find more of our work online? Jacob, let's start with you. I'm on SlashFilm.com every single day, and I'm on Twitter where I'm at Jacob S. Hall. Brad? You can find me on SlashFilm.com as well, also on Twitter at Ethan underscore Anderton, and listen to my own podcast, Go Flicks Yourself, on iTunes and some other places where podcasts are downloadable. Awesome. And you can find me writing at SlashFilm.com also. I am on Twitter at Ben Pears, and you can find more about all of the stories we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. Flashfilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find at the site. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.